Whiskey Bulldogs acknowledges that we reside on the lands of the people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge sovereignty was never ceded. We need a treaty. If you'd like to learn more, go to reconciliation.org.au. Gone direction! Whiteman! What about that climb? Tiny little man just sat on Max's head. To Barney Smith score. Towards goal. Barney Smith as he got the dogs in off Bradley Welcome to episode six of the Whiskey Bulldogs podcast, the only podcast for Bevy and or Bevo enthusiasts. I'm your host, Tim Alfred. Thank you for listening and for your feedback on the pod so far. If you know of any potential guests or if you think that that potential guest is you, dub yourself or someone else in that you know by sending me a message or just share the name of the Whiskey Bulldogs podcast. Check out the interview episode with Andrew McDougall. And if you want to be a guest because you're either a whiskey fan or a AFL fan, please feel free to drop me a message. You might have heard Andrew McDougall dub in his friend comedian legend Cal Wilson and Elliot from Pompello, Grosso and Seddon, both Bulldogs fans. And you might have seen me online trying to snag a few other locals like Justin from Williamstown Fine Wines, who's a purveyor of various waters of life and a Bulldogs fan. So hope to get them on board one of these days, but might need to grow the listener base a little for these big fish. So feel free to share the pod and posts to any whiskey or AFL fans in your life. I want to hear from fans of the Bulldogs teams, AFL, AFLW, Whiskey, sports, beer, wine, spirits, grass, bags, balls, Velcro, little shorts or memes locally or from afar. I want to hear from born footy fans or those born again. I want to hear from ladies, gents, tipsters, drinkers and sippers, teetotalers, couch commentators or professionals, keyboard warriors, podcasters and shopkeepers and merchandisers. Whatever your interest or persuasion, or if any of those things are your second favorite thing, or you don't like those things at all, I'm sure that I can help you find fandom based on what you do like. For example, if you think that all whiskey tastes like lighter fluid, <clears throat> or lighter fluid poured into an ashtray, then we can definitely find something lighter, sweeter, fruitier, brighter, and smoother for you. And either way, it would make a funny show, even if you didn't get converted and spit it back in my face and yell at me for making you try. If you like footy but think that the game has lost its local footy feel, is too flashy, expensive, too sports betty, not moving fast enough with the times, too many rule changes, or that it just has too many dicks, then we can definitely find something more grassroots for you. I think that was the first bad word we used in the pod, so I had to decide what to do. Just leave it in or bleep. I thought, it. This week I'll bring you the news, tips, 
Suns v Bulldogs review and Bulldogs v Cats preview. Theme of the week is What's the Crack? As it's uh, the Bulldogs versus the Irish. And Dram of the Week is a stunning Irish whiskey with a review of a Bush Mills, which came through the Whiskey Club. Probably what's not a big focus in the news at the moment because of big, big news things and stuff and footy upset matches and the like, which others will talk about at nauseum. But I just wanted to highlight how there's still uncertainty on how the AFLW season will play out. Still not sorted, including the number of games played the season, the salaries. Whiskey Bulldogs is an ally in making the AFLW professionalized in line with the men's game, with the seasons being as long and being in the cooler months of the year as the game was intended, and especially now that there are 18 teams. More famous men's player allies like Max Gorn are feeling the need to come out in support to get the headlines going to highlight these issues in the news, which needed to be resolved sooner than later, given the AFLW players have started work already and making their preparations for the season, which starts in September. They're not asking to be paid as much as the men's and understand that the pay rate should be more in line with the revenue of the game. All they're asking for is to get full-time equivalent remuneration for the time and money they spent on keeping fit, training for, and playing a season that is commensurate with its length. If the AFL wants and thinks there is sustainability in seasons that are longer and towards, say, a regular 22-rounder in the coming years, then they should be paid near full-time or full-time equivalent salaries now, as only fully professional players will be able to achieve that. The AFL should see it as an investment as professionalization of the sport would make it more popular and competitive and make the organization more revenue as a sustainable sport. Just as an aside, as a fan of the game, something as simple as the team songs can be changed to represent the women having their own say in their brand. I'm proud that the Bulldogs W team has their own female vocal version of the team song rather than simply adopting the song that gets played at the men's games, which are in men's vocals. At the W Games, it's a bit jarring to hear the other team's men's songs and our Daughters of the West song, and that ought to signal to other clubs that they should record and use women's vocals versions. If you're a Bulldogs W or AFLW fan, let me know what you think, or if you want to be on the pod to talk about the AFLW season, send me a message. Theme of the week, what's the crack? Bulldogs are likely to be faced with the lineup of Irish. Cats veteran Tui, along with young fellas, Mark O'Connor and O'Sheen Mullen, who is a new recruit. We'll be exploring the wonder of Irish whiskey, spelled with an E, which is now the fastest growing market with its great value drams. I have a Bushmills Causeway collection finished in Burgundy casks, bottled at cast strength, which came through the whiskey club. First, uh, we'll do the tips. It was a Super Saturday slaughter for the tipsters, but great wins for many underdog teams, putting up many top four and top eight contenders uh, on the chopping block. My tips post round 11, a poor four out of nine last week. I picked the Swans, Bombers, Power and Magpies, but surprisingly, Lions had suffered a loss away from the Gabatoire against the Crows. Hawks notched a win against the Saints. Frio way to go with a win to Dockers against the Demons. And of course, Suns upset the Dogs. 
perhaps could have predicted uh, this week Cats v Giants, as they are not scared of Cardinia Park. Round 12 is a bye round for Lions, Dockers, Saints and Swans, with only seven matches this weekend. I'll tip Demons to dominate Blues, Power to dominate Hawks, Magpies to comprehensively dominate West Coast Eagles, Dogs to scrape a win against the Cats at home at Marvel Stadium, probably on behinds alone. Suns to cause another exciting upset this time against the Crows, which is my roughie of the week, but should be a close game. Giants to scrape a win against the Tigers at the Big Orange Stadium, and Essendon to take a win from the Kangaroos. Looking good uh, for the work tips now at the top of the ladder, staying just one tip clear, but still trailing my old friend Will Salisbury, who we'll get on the pod one time to discuss tipping, um, who usually does very well each season. So now we'll go for a deep dive into the Suns versus Dogs game. At Darwin, TIO Stadium. After an encouraging and dominant start by the Dogs, the game was lost late in the first quarter and into the second. The Suns made the Dogs look the lesser team, but then Dogs found form again and dominated possession and opportunity at goal late in the game. It was too little too late and the Suns held on to the lead the rest of the game, albeit just by one point at one stage. A ton of free kicks came way late, but Dogs couldn't take the lead with some good missed chances and an unlucky contest with an umpire flag, which could have turned it for the Dogs as the ball possession could have returned to the middle for a second go at goal. Ins for our game this week were Lockie McNeil and Mitch Hannon as sub. Out uh, was JJ uh, following his big hamstring injury in Ballarat. The Bont seems to move well despite needing assessment on his knee in Ballarat and later adapted to a game when his team was down in the fourth quarter, pushing forward and trying to get inside 50 contests, but was ultimately unsuccessful. I am so happy that they did seem to try to change something in the fourth and it would have been more disappointing as a loss if the Bulldogs didn't and stuck to a game that just wasn't working despite best intent. The mids are again doing fairly well, but Suns were able to take away possession and then capitalize on being able to shoot the goal when inside 50 and find more accuracy when doing so. Hagen had a great game taking marks inside 50, but could not reliably convert goals until later in the game. Waitman had a good game, especially late when he pushed more forward and kicked two goals. Bailey Williams took two as well. Norton with just the one goal when two metres from the line, but uh, taking some good contested possessions. For the Suns, Matt Rowell was one with the grass and dominated especially in the second half. In the first quarter, it was a great start uh, for the Dogs with a few goals in a row. Then these were equalised soon after. There was a behind scored by Tim English within the first two minutes. Goal by Anthony Scott, then Jamara, then Bailey Williams, and the next goal by Bailey Smith after a scrap. Uh, by the second quarter, Suns took possession and ran up the scoreboard. 
with four goals going to Lukosius. Suns steadied the game on their terms, which they established earlier. And the Bulldogs seem to be just fatiguing and not gaining energy from the few and small wins. Jamara's goal didn't boost the team that much, and Waitman's goal uh, late in the third quarter might have boosted the team, um, and then it looked like it was game on. I had to uh, leave for work and listen to the rest in the car, but then I did watch, again, a replay of the fourth quarter later on. Mitch Hannon uh, came in for Lockie McNeil. I thought the Bulldogs had to pull something out, and it could have been the Bont trump card um, to move him forward. It seemed as though he was important still in getting the midfield clearances, but he did spend more time in attempt to receive near the goal square. Both teams seemed to clean up inside 50s well in defence, but Dogs had good shots at the sticks, but misses at attempts early in the fourth quarter would have otherwise turned it around. The goal from Ugel Hagen got to the Bulldogs fans going, and there was only seven points in it. At the next bounce, free kick for contact downfield to Waitman then got the dogs within one with plenty of time to go. And then we had Flaggate. You only can laugh, right? Much like the Flaggate uh, which occurred earlier this year in um, a sense, it's quite similar. <laughs> you can um, watch the videos of these in the show notes. Uh, we had a laugh about the loss in the end, making... Uh, a little fun of Rao's antics, uh, Lukosius's absolute bag of schnags, and the Flaggate incident. But will it be the only flag contest the dogs get this year? In summary, uh, Bulldogs allowed the game to get away early, but they did have fight in the end and showed some spirit. Not the most terrible loss in a while, but hopefully they reset to see if they can get that fourth spot on the ladder. It was wonderful to see the Suns win, who are a bit up and about at the moment, but it didn't feel like a dire loss to the Dogs, who just needs to work on getting some good contested marks in good set shot positions, which convert to six points. I know that sounds basic, but the Dogs have a premiership proven midfield with a great, not elite performing forward line at the moment. I'm not saying that they can't turn it around and then be able to exploit the elite talent that is there just that if they want to stay in contention, they will need to do so. More on that later when we look at the upcoming Dogs vs Cats game. Bulldogs will have to shake off the loss in Darwin against the Suns to refocus on how to break Premiership team the Cats, who are down three in a row, are injured and have been without star Patrick Dangerfield. Bulldogs and Cats have a healthy rivalry with the Cats' recent record of dominance over their Western Victorian neighbour. Cats are my second team and I've enjoyed watching their seasons of late. They do have an exciting and grassroots brand with finals campaigns year on year for a good part of two decades and in that time have never lost more than three games in a row. They finally took a flag last year despite being written off early as too old too slow maybe this season we're seeing the effects of a solid year by the Cats, who are now spent. Yes, they might not be a top four team this year, but I'll be surprised if they're not in the eight by the end of the season after turning things around and playing their best individual players. If Cats find momentum and only just miss out on the top four, they will be as dangerous as ever in the finals. 
Dogs never win at Cardinia Park, so have a chance at Marble this week. Hopefully cats do put up a good showing, but I've tipped dogs to snag the win. Dogs win if they dominate clearance and kick even slightly more accurately than of late when under the roof in the first half and can hold on even if cats find form. If Jeremy Cameron and Tom Hawkins find their premiership winning contested marks inside 50 and goal kicking accuracy, despite the Bulldogs having significantly more chances inside 50 out of a consistently elite midfield, Dogs will again lose to inaccuracy. Our trump card for some of these cat contests inside 50 may be Liam Jones, but he won't be able to do it all on his own, especially if cats split Cameron and Hawkins, allowing the other to be untagged. I think we will see Jones on Cameron and English, who is now big enough, needing to fall back to contest the mark with Hawkins if he's looking dangerous again when cats have possession at half forward and are looking for a kick to Hawkins. I just don't think any of our current defenders, unless Bruce returns to the game and is in form, can take on Hawkins. However, it's been the younger small forwards of late who have been goal scorers for the Cats. So the rest of the dogs defensive pack may be able to manage to win scraps and take a tackle. The last time the Bulldogs hosted the Cats, Cats did notch the win with scores 10-10-70 to 12-11-83 after another heated game between rivals. Jack McRae and Libba and Daniel had tons of possession, 31, 30 and 30 touches, but forwards did not find the big sticks in the first quarter, 1-5, only to come good later in the game and allowed Cats to gain a whopping lead when they had bagged 7-2 but kept Cats at bay the rest of the game. The often matched up Tui and Libba in a midfield hot-headed scrap was always fun to watch as they have a laugh at the end and shake hands. But hopefully something like that headbutt from Bailey Smith on Tui is not repeated this time. We saw him suspended for two games after the bye week. Jeremy Cameron kicked six from anywhere in the arc. Our best goal scorers were Waitman and Libba at two apiece, and then half the side each having a go in a more typical scrappy play, which is less efficient and more tiring, but still effective. We saw balls going out of play or being rushed behind. In stark contrast, Cats played a more elegant and traditional two key forward big mark set shot and snagging it game. Clearly something is to be said about being able to play the game effectively both ways when forward and the talent is clearly there to do so. If dogs can do this, they will be back in the fight for the season. Dogs will need this win to prove they are a top four side this season and have more confidence in their forwards to run up the scoreboard a little as the season also involves lower ranked teams where some wins should not just be close but also ones where they can take the lead and continue to extend that when finishing the game hopefully by 30 points or more and from five extra goals rather than one or two extra goals and a stack of minor scores. Uh, we're due to go to the game with Dad, whose first team is Cats, and my wife, and I will hopefully take the bragging rights at the end of the match at the home game in Marvel. Hopefully we can see some of you there. We might see Trelaw and Sam Darcy come available this week following hamstring injury and what sounded like a primary spontaneous pneumothorax, respectively. We haven't seen Rock Smith play a game this year due to a plantar fascia injury, 
Trollo has said that he would probably return to the midfield, but not in place of Bailey Smith, who had dominated inbounds clearance. Maybe they will move Scott forward and place Trollo over the other side of the center. If Darcy gets a game, it would be in place of O'Donnell, and Rock Smith could take McNeil's spot on the interchange with him or Mitch Hannon, bringing in the sub option. Perhaps Bruce could come in the side to reinforce a Liam Jones defensive effort by coming in for O'Brien or Duray. It would be great to see Dangerfield back out for the Cats, but his fitness might not return him to the game this week following a hamstring injury. Cats have a long injury list at the moment and fielding their best in the last few weeks has been difficult. We'll be looking to Irish whiskey, spelt with an E of course. The Irish sector is the fastest growing market with some great value drams. The Irish are known for the pot still, triple distilled variety, which gives a richer creamy texture to the whiskey. One of my favorite whiskies I started this journey on was the Redbreast 12, which is a worldwide favorite of many. There's also the Tullamore DEU or Dew, which is a uh, very cheap option maybe for whiskey starters to see if they like something it's it's really a good option it comes in like a flask like bottle so it's great for camping or cold weather hikes with friends these are all done now and from the cupboard from a while ago but i do have this bush mills causeway collection finished in burgundy casks and bottled at cask strength which came through the whiskey club australia Bushmills is one of the oldest distilleries in the world with records going back to 1608. This Bushmills single malt Irish whiskey was triple distilled in 2012, then aged in Olorosa sherry and bourbon casks for six years, then finished maturation for four years in Burgundy wine casks. It was made as part of the highly acclaimed Causeway collection and bottled at 51.8%. Just having a look at the color of this whiskey, it's like mahogany in color. Nose is sweet, it's a lot of vanilla, like fruits of the forests and wafts of that red wine that is just delicious. So you know, like when if you put red wine into some cooking that you, you know, on the stove, you have that waft of um, red wine when you're cooking off the alcohol on the palate. It's that, um, rich melted butter mouthfeel it's a great has a great complement of vanilla cereally multi cakey notes with fresh fruit of the forest and a good measure of red wine like a um red wine reduction and or a raspberry and blackberry coolie on the finish it's got this long mouthfeel because it's just so oily like um, a fatty nutty wood like like hazelnut and you end up with the red wine tannins and spice. I think it just packs an absolute punch in flavor that comes out of its oily mouthfeel rather than hitting with the cast strength ABV. 
it's just going gangbusters on auction sites. This was um, exclusive and sold by the Whiskey Club for members and it was awarded gold at the International Wine and Spirit Competition. If you know and love Starwood Nova or have had any of their other red wine offerings, you'll love this Bush Mills and vice versa. I think the only way to get your hands on this Bush Mills release is through the auction sites. I think if you're a, a red wine lover um, and you're curious about whiskey, you would like the Starwood Nova or this Bush Mills in equal measure. It's a wonderful sweet treat on its own, but I think it would go very well with savory and sweet. But um, either more rich foods like charcuterie or cheeses or any kind of meat dishes or with like a warming sweet pudding or something like that would be really nice. Um, this is not a paid ad for the Whiskey Club. Um, not really hit the big time yet, but um, they do make some great drams. Um, they do put together a good offering at a reasonable price, usually about $100 to $150 plus a postage. And I have trusted them with sending me drams from Australia and overseas that I've really liked. And some have become favorites and, you know, some of them that I wouldn't have otherwise tried. So um, this one is definitely a good one. And I did actually order another. Um, if you do want to check out the Whiskey Club, look at whether the subscription model suits you. It's free to join and each month you are shown what the Whiskey of the Month is in advance. Plus some others um, which you can add in as well. You're automatically in for Whiskey of the Month unless you opt out by the first weekend of the month, which is the Whiskey Weekend and you can skip as many times as you want so if you feel like you've had enough you can always cancel uh, for that month or if you're finished with your subscription then you can always cancel as well it's a great thing to join for whiskey beginners and enthusiasts alike and um, they have um, great online and in-person events where you can learn more about the whiskey about whiskey in general and also you have access to discounts at your local whiskey bars. The one uh, event that I did attend in person recently was really good. Um, it was for Morris of Rutherglen uh, where they released one of their offerings and it was a really good night. Um, bit of food, bit of banter, chatting with the the distillers um, getting acquainted with other Whiskey Club members was really good. It's safe to say I've probably got really good value out of the Whiskey Club and I think it's a really good base and a safe bet for Whiskey Adventures. I have a referral link for the Whiskey Club which you can check out on the pods link tree or just use the referral code 32887. After clicking I was referred. If you are already on their website, um, having a look at their past offerings and next month's offerings, um, and you put in the referral code and sign up, we'll each get a free wee sample of whiskey with our next deliveries. 
if you do sign up, we could record a wee interview and tasting of the sample for the podcast. Why not? I hope you enjoy um, your whiskey adventures. Well, that's the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Tim Outhred and you've been a great audience. To follow socials, Instagram and Twitter, search Whiskey Bulldogs. Send me a message that way or email me or feel free to join and post in the Whiskey Bulldogs Facebook group. I've loved your posts of whiskey, doggies and footy related adventures so far and also love reading your thoughts on Whiskey Bulldogs. Hope you enjoyed listening to the podcast today. You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your fantastic podcasts. Search Whiskey Bulldogs. On the Spotify platform, you can even send me a voice message or a question, and you might even get on the pod. I hope to make this pod more about you and what you want to hear. It means a lot, and thank you so much for your support and being a friend of the podcast. Go on, pour yourself a wee dram, and enjoy the footy. Until next time, cheers. Slange. Sante. Go dogs. Go dogs.